Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann, and I ride with extended clips. Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 67. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And we're coming to you midweek, a little midweek surprise, a little bonus episode, uh, breaking off from the chronology of the miniseries that we've been going through, the, you know, the films of Albert Brooks and uh, James L. Brooks. And, you know, as, as Michael Caine said in the film that we watched today, mm-hmm. Brooks Brothers isn't going to be enough. Yeah, I mean, when kind of like, you know, Tenet being really straight, it's kind of like a soldier being called back to duty, right? <laughs> you love your family and, you know, you want to stay with them. You want to stay with your girlfriend, but you got to go back to Iraq and you got to get back on the battlefield. And that's we went on back on the battlefield, the cinema. Yeah, I mean, much like uh, great capitalists and innovators, we saw a hole in the marketplace of tenant criticism. And so we had to dive on in there. You know, we we record in a space that we named the Jean-Luc Godard Chris Kyle studio for a reason, uh, because, you know, our one of our uh, icons of the podcast, Chris Kyle, he he saw what he had to do and he made multiple tours and, you know, maybe against his family's better judgment. And, you know, Jean-Luc Godard has essentially been quarantined for the last 30 years. And so I think to somewhat cut the middle there, uh, to split the difference, we <laughs> we took a drive out to beautiful Pomona, California, and looked through the haze of smog uh, from my car and watched Christopher Nolan's big blockbuster film, The Way It Was Meant to Be Seen, uh, and the way it was meant to be heard through an FM transmitter in the car. <laughs> And uh, through a fairly dim outdoor projection. Yeah, I don't know how those 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 couples necking it in the fifties lasted that long. Because the hey, where's that movie theater IMAX quality I'm used to? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we almost saw some old school road rage. Uh, yeah, you know, come coming to the movie theater. People were so jacked up about going back to the movies that uh, there was a little bit of a parking snafu and we almost saw we almost saw a couple get into some fisticuffs uh, we saw you know the bird was given <laughs> some harsh words were exchanged and about five minutes of tenet were lost on me because I was so distracted by the the human drama that was lacking <laughs> on screen but made up for in the parking lot yeah I mean people have been out of the theater a long time they don't know how to act and they're gonna act unruly you let some some dogs out of a cage that've been in a cage a long time they're going to fucking they're going to wild out but you know who does know how to act John David Washington the protagonist of Tenet and you know he is the protagonist as well <laughs> entitled the protagonist uh John David Washington plays a nameless CIA agent uh and you know this is an anti you know intelligence agency program uh we're against you know um pro military pro military yeah. anti cia yeah <laughs> we just think they're kind of getting in there and mucking things up you know yeah. uh no but like uh check all of your human ethics at the door with this one because uh who cares that he's a cia agent and that the cia have done evil terrible things uh, since they're in <laughs> since the 
first day at the office uh, because this film is maybe the least human of all of Nolan's. And I think that's why I ended up liking it, you know, for, for people who are coming to our podcast and never heard us before. And frankly, I don't think we've ever even talked about Nolan on pod before. So mm-hmm. even our long term listeners won't know that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan, but uh, I kind of came around on him recently uh, checking out Interstellar. But you know, he really has to do a lot of legwork for me to like one of his movies, you know. I mean, here's the thing, ultimately, for me. I haven't seen a Nolan movie in a while, but here's what's important to me. I see, you know, it's very popular to shit on Nolan, you know, it's kind of, it's become hack at this point. So let's let's try to wrap it around. Let's try to see if there's something worthwhile there. That's what, that's what I want to do when I see, you know, I might check out the new Charlie Kaufman. I don't give a shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the things that people generally rail against him for, I think, are here in spades, and that's why people don't seem to be taken to this film the way that they take to some of his other pictures. In terms of the human drama, the characterization, uh, the emotions or lack thereof, yeah, this is a very robotic film. You know, it, it's paring everything down to the essentials, and what it is is a film about time and space and these mechanics uh that can be applied to action cinema without all of that nonsense like characterization and emotional catharsis no just kind of looking like you know just looking at this movie as you do before you review it i noticed there's like no pov shots or just any like sense of humanity in like the mise-en-scene mm-hmm. whatsoever it is a very like detached film like even in the way it is filmed and how it like you know depicts characters yeah there's a part where john david washington is going into the you know uh he's he's going tenant mode uh (laughs) they're putting him in the airlock he's gonna have to breathe you know through the thing look there's a lot of things i'm not gonna be very clear about on this podcast but uh you enter this other realm of physicality and rather than having a pov shot to establish the difference in the world it just cuts from one shot of him to another from like basically the same angle but completely different physical perspectives and there's really no way of telling like what the difference is until you know uh, the next shot after that, when he, you know, gets into the car and tries to drive it and realize that the physics are all fucked up so he can't do it, you know? It's a really intelligent film, despite seeming like it's just trying to blow your mind, you know? Like, yeah. I feel like under the surface, in terms of the patterns of editing and composition and, like, all of these, this kind of familiarity that builds throughout the film, uh, I think it's working on just, like, a, so many... Uh, systems that I can't understand and like all of this rather than narrative logic it's like logic of image flow and I would be completely lying to you if I said that I got what was going on for most of this film but I did really enjoy it no yeah I feel like I I did have a kind of a bit of trouble like trying to track the plot and then you know realize you know as you go through it you realize it is kind of like what Nolan's obsessed with here is like the synthesis of images you know how they pair pair up against each other and just you know him being p- uh, interested in this particular subject kind of makes his more twist his you know his uh, tendency to go towards a twist it makes it feel at least more meaningful or at least he's expanding on it in like a cinematic way mm-hmm. i'm not exactly sure where i feel about it now i think like of the nolans that i've seen especially the later ones 
Like, I definitely admire it for his, like, commitment to being, like, that formally present and, like, rigid with it. But there is a lot of it that, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, like, buy into, like, sort of it kind of being, like, stupid and, like, not having to take, like, the mechanics of it, like, all too seriously. But there is a lot of it for me that, like, I don't know drags um because of that Mm -hmm. like the parts where it is like i think it works really well when it's like moving in flow and like there are a lot of really great set pieces that work but then it will be like chunked up with like a lot of exposition that like i'm i don't really care about it but i think because it divides a lot of what really works for it for me yeah it like is a big detractor well i think that division is kind of his whole approach that you know explain what you're gonna do and Mm -hmm. then do it for a set piece and then do some more explaining uh and you're also getting some explanation as it goes and i think that this film does something with exposition that his other ones almost do but don't quite. Inception plays with exposition in a similar way where with every single set piece you're basically like starting a new movie almost (laughs) Uh, and it's fluid in a way where you're building knowledge on top of other knowledge even if some of that means that uh, it's canceling itself out rendering itself almost like a null and void. That doesn't matter because it's so much about the spectacle and the experience of going through it. As one character says in the beginning of this film, you know, don't try to understand it, just feel it. And I think that's something that I wouldn't have said holds true to any other Nolan film before, maybe Interstellar, but mainly this one, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, Because I think his dedication to spitting all that information out at you, yeah, it does get in the way in a clunky sense And uh, I think that's what holds back something like Inception from being a really great film because I think it's quite good. Uh, But this one, I feel like, you know, the even the way that the dialogue is mixed in the audio is calling attention to how little uh, it almost matters. You know, like all Mm -hmm. the physics, all the science stuff is explained, but it doesn't really matter because you could watch this as a silent film and it works almost just as well. <laughs> like yeah. also which lines are punched way higher in the sound mix versus the rest of it really showcases why most of the dialogue doesn't really matter. You know, mm-hmm. you'll have dialogue that's all very low in the mix and then you'll have one line that is like, look at your watch or something yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, just to, just to let you know that he could be clear and concise with everything that people say, but I prefer it this way. As I said earlier, why bother with humanity when you have physical mechanics and images? No, I mean, I guess to counter that, though, is like if a lot of this exposition doesn't really matter, there is a lot of it. And a lot of it does compound in a way where I'm not, you know, I'm not exactly it doesn't exactly hold my interest all the time. And I mean, I, I think I do trend towards liking this movie rather than disliking. But sometimes the spectacle doesn't really make up make it up for me in that sense too but I, I definitely get what you're saying and i like it's the rhythm and pattern that it operates at just there's some lulls in that pattern and rhythm that i just find less interesting than mm-hmm. others i i agree with what you're saying in that sense because it's like i definitely like i don't know this is the strongest positive reaction i've had from nolan in a while but i wish more of the spectacle was fun like i like how rigid and detached it is and i can like definitely get some pleasure from it but i just wish um 
it didn't take itself as like seriously I like I on like a narrative level yeah and, like I mean there is like the sailboat chase like, oh that the is, sailboat like, chase that rules. fucking owns you know mm-hmm. uh slightly obscured in the way that Nolan sometimes does which is obnoxious I think those shots when he pulls back from the close-ups and lets these medium shots kind of linger where they usually would have been shakier earlier in his career, it calls attention to the emptiness uh, and the the dead space, you know, on the side of some of these frames. And I think that contributes to, you know, the emptiness of the environment. It's like, I, it's a stretch to say it, but... It, among many other comparisons that'll be total stretches that I'm about to make. (laughs) One of them is Antonioni in the disaffected nature of everyone's performance and the gray atmosphere of everything. And it being like very much a film of either the present or the future uh, being just such a bleak landscape that you just have these detached souls moving about the frame in the way that the director wants them to, and not even souls, bodies, you know. Mm -hmm. The other comparison, uh, Don't Kill Me, uh, (laughs) I think the way that the dialogue is mixed first and foremost, but also the way that uh, the spatial shifts take place in this where you will mid conversation cut to a new location where it continues or a new conversation starts uh, and just the quickness with which Nolan will cut across all of uh, his locations that he's working with for one set piece kind of reminded me of late period Malick, especially like when it's combined with that dialogue that doesn't really matter and is just kind of soaring over you as you're taking in all of these images. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I found yeah. it like to be a really beautiful film. I think that the compositions are so much i don't want to say cleaner uh but i feel like he's much more attuned to the architecture he's working with than usual mm-hmm. and that's something that he really cares about is you know architecture within these film environments but i think he's taking advantage of it to its fullest here and of course he's taking advantage of the physics like you know that this is him playing with you know space time the way that interstellar uh, he was so obsessed with, you know, folding space. Uh, this time he's doing it with time, but their correlation between space and time, obviously. And he is able to use that to his full advantage. I think there's just so many little marvels in this film. You know, the first time he reverses the bullet or catches the bullet rather. Uh, and there's so many small moments like that, that just like, I don't know, reduced me to just being jaw slacked and amazed at the movies <laughs> yeah i i get the the mal comparison a lot because like though it is like about how images like interact with each other for sure but i think what kind of makes malik over the top i guess is kind of like the romanticism flowing throughout the, his movies and of course that's not here i'm not yeah, expecting I mean, it you that's know what I mean? also what keeps me from comparing it to digital michael mann as yeah, well yeah, yeah. And, and with antonio i also get the antonio only thing as well but i think nolan leaves no room in his movies for acting whatsoever and where it's like where some of these like someone like monica vitti could you know deliver a great performance within like this uh gray disinfectedness i mean there is like i mean he could have casted anyone in this movie it doesn't really matter i think john david washington's really great he definitely is he definitely stands out as the best performance and it's just like those slight alterations in his cadence or pitch when he goes slightly higher and it's slightly resemblant of his father uh really stand out because of how low-key the whole performance is and how perfect he is within this milieu him and pattinson you know the most humanity they'll show is like a slight 
smile, you know, in <laughs> yeah. the exchange about whether he likes club soda or diet coke. <laughs> you know, people say Malik is humorless, and I think there is he is humorless in the way that none of his characters have a sense of humor, but there is there's like funny, awkward moments that arise out of kind of like whether intentional or not, I think some of them are definitely intentional, yeah. but that like kind of lets, you know, I feel like uh, lightens some of the criticisms I would have thrown at Nolan for, you know, some of his other movies. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so- something like the, the, the scene, the kitchen fight scene, I think is very funny and one of the more creative things I've seen Nolan do oh, yeah. in a fight, you know, some trees, cheese grater action and stuff like that. Dude, I can't believe we got to see <laughs> fucking mm. <laughs> Washington fucking take a cheese grater to a guy's face in a <laughs> Nolan movie like he's clearly having fun like that's his version of having fun is having a character named the protagonist <laughs> you know use a cheese grater to kill an anonymous bad guy you know <laughs> uh, and I think all the fights in this are like really I hate to use this as a compliment but because it's kind of just a backhanded compliment towards his older films but surprisingly responsibly choreographed and framed action for the most part in this like the mm-hmm. the fist fight where uh Washington is you know we learn later fighting himself uh is really well done and I think all of the inversions are so beautiful I mean if you don't know anything about this movie uh, they basically figure out how to reverse uh, time and so all of the action set pieces that you see in the first half are then shown again or not watching it rather taking part of it inversed and you know we we kind of talked about this with deja vu and you know reinserting yourself into an action set piece uh in that film much more for an emotional reason in this film because a guy is doing his job that he doesn't really know what the job is until he finds out that it's actually his job because he's the boss (laughs) (laughs) no yeah that is a like a you know works at CEO of my life type yeah. moment. Dude, honestly, this yeah. film is like, this film also uh, definitely reminded me of the male soul Instagram for sure. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Especially uh, Kenneth Branagh's uh, Russian like dude character. Is that Kenneth Branagh? I was going to yeah. say, is that is that him? Wow. Yeah. Uh, that accent was not so strong and uh, <laughs> his, his, you know, male motivation was off the charts though. Yeah, he's like he's like a guy who's supposed to be happy in a male soul post, but he's he's like the depressed guy in a male soul post. Like, sh- you know, everyone always has time to talk to you. If someone isn't texting you back, they're doing it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's male soul. Not me. I would never say that. But I mean, with what you were getting at of like the deja vu comparison was it was really apt, and like I thought of it a lot when they were inverting things. And I like that segment a whole lot, but I just feel like the first half sort of building up to it where it's like you're it's dropping the clues for like when you like watch it again or like that now that you're aware of, oh, they're going to be like flipping the set pieces around it. Like, I don't know, the the way they go through it at first falls a little flat for me. Mm hmm. Well, maybe you just have to watch it twice. <laughs> well, I mean, I think for me, I, I was someone's just too cool for Nolan. right now. <laughs> no. You want to def- defend yourself? No. <laughs> um, no, I mean, more for me, it's like I was just trying to figure out what was going on. You know what I mean? And I think it is like intentionally confusing, which I, I think I, I kind of, you know, caught on to. And wh- when I think of Nolan, I think as someone who would want to make his Easter eggs well known and like kind of like, you know, 
enough for someone you know just to cherry pick it and they're like oh shit it came back late that's yeah that's mm-hmm. that's how i always thought of nolan as someone who like kind of like made like movies like you figure out but yeah. like they're easy to figure out so you feel smart for figuring them out mm-hmm. whereas this is like he's kind of made something that's impenetrable yeah has its kind of like own logic that doesn't entirely connect for me maybe it's there maybe i'm just dumb but like i do respect it at that uh with that quality yeah i also like robert pattinson's character as someone who just kind of has a different set of information than john david washington you know Mm -hmm. and that's all it is is just how much each character knows about their own process because none of these characters fully know what's going on Mm -hmm. you know uh, even the people telling John David Washington what to do, as it turns out, don't know what's going on the further you go, you know. Uh, and if we're confusing you, you know, to uh, <laughs> semi quote the film, uh, you know, stay out of the chopper if you can't stop thinking in linear time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that I think that is ultimately Nolan's goal is like, come play this game with me. Come play yeah. this game I've invented of like kind of the the mishmashing of time and like what what kind of uh, fun can we have with this and like action sequences things blowing up from different perspectives you know that that's where the fun really comes out in the movie yeah will you play with nolan he wants to come out and play <laughs> i'm down to play <laughs> the set piece in like siberia toward the end where you just have like two military units running at each other one moving forward one moving backward in time a lot of it is just like the spectacle of seeing that many bodies being moved together you Mm -hmm. know uh with all of these reversed explosions happening uh but there's one really remarkable part where there's a building that gets blown up with an rpg uh and you know since it's in reverse uh people are shouting it out like oh the building's gonna get blown up you know so they're able to reverse the explosion but then the squad that's moving forward in time just undoes it by shooting it with another rpg and just seeing a building like implode and then reverse and then explode from like a different angle uh is just like I don't know, something I haven't seen in a movie, really. Uh, and then there's also a part where an airplane, they just roll it into a fucking hangar, uh, and it just blows up like the area where people wait for their planes. And I thought that was pretty cool, too. You know, this is a lot of destruction in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, IMDb trivia, I guess that they really just ran a plane into a building. That was real. Like, for that the fucking movie. rules. <laughs> Nolan, Nolan's creating his own personal 9-11s just for the movie world. That's the other thing. Ever, everyone on Twitter was like, is this movie about 9-11? Dude, it's going to be epic. This movie's about 9-11. It's about how people don't remember 9-11 yeah, correctly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Go watch Postal if you want a movie about 9-11. Yeah, that is like a thing. People are like, what's the best movie about 9-11? I think Postal actually might be. Probably. And, well, you could learn the... It's not the best movie, but you'll learn the most. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, so I, th- I think that like this just continues with Nolan uh, stripping back like the the unnecessary human aspects of his <laughs> films, you know, and also cleaning up his compositions a lot and his co- continued collaboration uh, with Van Hoytema compared to his old DP, Wally Pfister, whose frames were often cluttered and overly gray. I think there's a lot of beauty in the gray of Hoytema's uh, shots for him, especially in this and Dunkirk and uh, Interstellar. But, you know, between this and Dunkirk, he is really just making movies about 
experiments in time, space, action, and folding them into narrative logic. And uh, I think that's really admirable to be doing on such a big budget level. And uh, also, we didn't mention that the film ends with a Travis Scott song. Yeah. Uh, and then we went right to McDonald's and got the Travis Scott burger. Mark Fisher would not be happy with us. I think. <laughs> Straight up. Well, you, Mark Fisher would have definitely uh, accepted whatever this is by now. You yeah. I mean? <laughs> I mean, you know, the Travis Scott burger is, uh, you know, it, you're already late if that's the thing that catches you. Yeah. <laughs> Any final thoughts on this one before we wrap it on up? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I'm ultimately mixed. Ultimately, you see, I, I literally can't say words. I'm so mixed on this movie. No, I, because I, I, I did like a good amount of it, and I did zone out for a little bit too. And some of it, I like, I was parsing rather than experiencing. But I really do think he does have something interesting here, and I kind of want you know, drive-ins great. Would rather have you know a little home viewing where. Because I, I didn't really have a, a chance to really analyze, I guess, like cinematography or anything like that. That it didn't, I had a harder time processing that with through the drive through or drive in. It's drive through. Drive through <laughs> movies. <laughs> I mean, two hours and 30 minutes. That's uh, what am I at In and Out, you know? <laughs> that's for our California listeners. Uh, you going to give this one a bullet rating? Yeah, I'll give it uh, three reverse bullets. What about you, JT? Um, yeah, I'm also going to go uh, three bullets, but I'm shooting them forward in time. <laughs> I, uh, You're on the red team. He's on the blue team. <laughs> yeah. blue that was belt. a little halo red versus blue action. <laughs> uh, think about it. Calling back to the cinema greats of the early internet. <laughs> yeah, now I feel like I have a lot more respect for Nolan than I did in the past. Like, I think the i don't know it's more apparent to me than when i was a kid like what he's trying to do with a very cold like calculating style and i would like to see more experiments that are like tenant where he's sort of embracing like his fixations and uh just playing with time and like reality and it's like the inessentials are sort of stripped away but at the same time like while i admire what he's doing it's not necessarily as fun as something that like i don't know while i was watching this i was thinking a lot about uh gemini man because i think that's like comparable in like a relationship where it's like the past and like future images sort of colliding together um and also um i don't know just like a big crazy like like high-tech blockbuster and I think, I don't know, just something like Gemini Man works a lot more for me because while like, and again, I think it's like a similar issue with both of the movies have bad scripts. And I think Gemini Man can overcome its script because it embraces that melodrama in how it's shot and it does have that human connection. And that's why I feel like something like Tenant leaves me cold, but still giving it a salute. I I actually also thought about Gemini Man for a couple of shots during this, uh, you know, the car chase. And then, of course, there's some shots of Elizabeth Debicki over a large vista of, uh, you know, greenery and some water as well. And I was like, hey, this this reminds me of Gemini Man for some strange reason. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just the feeling of being at the cinema and feeling great about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like this about as much as Gemini Man. I think this Dang. is like kind of a great film. And the more I talk through it, like it's not even the kind of thing where the more I talk through it, the more I get it and love it. The more I talk through it, the more I just want to watch it again. Because mm -hmm. I 
look, man, you gotta you gotta see this thing twice. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, but I I really do think that this will open up for me more on second viewing. So I'm taking a bet with my rating because it might go down on a second viewing too. <laughs> but I think that like what Nolan is doing stylistically here is just like a further progression towards something I like from him. Uh, and I feel like I'm getting so much more out of his movies now that I'm setting aside all of the things people hate, you know? Yeah. You, you go on Twitter, yeah, you, you ask people, <laughs> what do you think about Christopher Nolan? And, you know, you get a barrage of, oh, it's all exposition. He doesn't care about his woman characters. Uh, he, he, uh, yeah, all, they're all, right. all dead wives, you know? <laughs> she's alive in this one. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and she's, uh, I mean, kicking butt, too. <laughs> slaying, even if you're... <laughs> <laughs> I was letting you sit with that one. I'm I'm completely satisfied. I, I really like Elizabeth Debicki's performance in this one. I mean, she mm-hmm. has a lot of fucking information to get out there, mm-hmm. and she does it. It's like, what else are you gonna say? Yeah, I mean, it's it's good in uh, like a car gets you there. <laughs> no, I yeah. I legitimately think like her physicality kind of embodies the mood of this film because mm-hmm. she is like you know obviously it's Elizabeth Debicki she's like eight feet five or whatever yeah. uh, with like that very slender frame and like sl- uh, slickly uh, maneuvering through yeah. the frame but also very coldly and very precisely and also just spouting out all of the information you mm-hmm. know. Uh, I I feel like her detachment works more than Kenneth Branagh kind of going bozo mode, even though I did like that because it was a nice touch that was kind of like a wild card thing. Like, I really didn't expect Branagh's style of performance. Even if I can't say it was good, I liked how off-putting it was. Yeah, I mean, it is. it does, like, in terms of, like, the framework of the film, it is, like, kind of refreshing. Because when I was saying to Bicky's like it's good like in the car gets you it's not a criticism of her just kind of more maybe Nolan yeah. is like allowance because yeah it's information uh, saying yeah, you she's know like I mean? my 2015 Prius she got us there <laughs> <laughs> and that's something to be admired oh I love my car <laughs> <laughs> we love cars here we love our <laughs> we love our rides <laughs> Jay, we're going Jay Leno for yeah. the pod from now oh on. god <laughs> you hear about these inversions inversions <laughs> <laughs> Ten, you know, pretty soon you're going to see Jay Leno driving his car backwards yeah. after seeing this. <laughs> uh, I think that the end is really great because it is slightly open-ended. You know, mm-hmm. you get that nice uh, wrap it up with a bow and, you know, the voiceover about preventing the bombs that you never knew were going to go off or whatever, yeah. uh, which, you know, is the whole point of the film. You and know, the CIA. Look, it, if you think about it, the, the ramifications of that ending could mean that, you know, the, the further f- back we go on the other timeline, they're preventing 9-11. They're not starting the CIA. <laughs> they're abolishing the United States of America See, as we know it. That's kind of the opposite of what I meant. I think it means that it, it's about the bombs you don't see that go up. It's about the the crimes you see that aren't committed no, I yet. I know that. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I got to get my point across because some people might want to corrupt it, you know? <laughs> Anyway, I give this one four bullets. It's Christopher Nolan's best picture, perhaps. I, you know, I've mm-hmm. only gone as high as three point five for Interstellar because that one made me weep like a little baby. Uh, but that <laughs> one did, like, you know, slow down spots, and there's some stuff I don't, I'm not crazy about in that one. Uh, but this one, oh man, uh, stone cold baby. I didn't feel a single thing, but I loved <laughs> it. Uh, uh, uh. Well, I definitely want to rewatch it, and that's definitely a compliment. Yeah. Um, we will be back on Thursday, right? Regularly scheduled programming back to the Brooks brothers, because you know what, Michael Caine, 
Brooks Brothers is enough. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about I'll Do Anything, James L. Brooks's film Maudit, and uh, Albert Brooks's Modern Romance. So we'll see you then. All right. Stay, hey, stay safe, everyone. <laughs> Turn up. Turn up. The best way to experience this movie would be if you have to watch it, turn it on TV at home when it comes out on DVD and turn the sound completely off. <laughs> and then as you're cleaning the house or you've got a party going on and you need the kids to stay occupied, that'll make this a lot more That's how I had to watch uh, incest porn. What? You have to turn the sound down. Then it's just porn. I'm so confused. Okay. <laughs>